We are Maria and Nicole. We're two secular homeschooling moms that have been been there, done that. Do your kids' eyes glaze over whenever you bust out your curriculum? Do you have dreams about being that fun homeschool mom but have no idea how to make that happen? Today in episode 28, we're going to be talking about how to keep learning fun in your homeschool. What do you do if your kid hates writing? How do you break up the monotony of mid-semester? Today we're going to be answering those questions and talking about some of the best learning games to bring the excitement back to your homeschool. And as usual, we want to stress that our podcast is an inclusive space for your everyday parents that are looking for education options. We are not here to convince you to homeschool. Uh, We want to stress that you need to do what works for your child and for your family. Every family is different. Absolutely. And you know your children best. So uh, feel free to take what advice or information you get from here that works for you and chuck the rest. Good morning, Nicole. How's it going? Good morning, Maria. It's going well. You had a big trip to Canada recently. How did that go? Oh my gosh, we had a great trip to Canada. My son is 11th in the world Irish dancer at the World Championships. Wow. <laughs> He's so impressive. Oh I can't my gosh. That. We had a great time. We were in Montreal and we were there this summer and everybody was like, oh, but you just wait. Like, because I loved it and a lot of people don't like Montreal. Irish dancer friends and they were all like you just wait till you go in April it's going to be awful and snowy and cold was it it terrible no it was wonderful like it was supposed to be and then the weather like completely cleared up and it was beautiful out and we loved it it's a very walkable pictures were beautiful it's a great place I've never been I need to go I need to take my kids but meanwhile then you were home like dying I did not have that great of a time. <laughs> I had a tooth abscess and my oh. face blew up. I was unre- I look human. Look at me. I, I look know, human. I totally do. I was really worried about you when you sent me that picture. It was, well, the infection and the swelling was going into my neck and I was like, oh my God. Oh gosh. This is, yeah. It That's was crazy. so scary. The medical system here in <sighs> the U.S. is so messed up because I actually got turned away by two oral surgeons as that was swelling. I found an angel. So I'm glad that you are on the mend. Yes, I am so glad. Anyway, so we have a lot to cover today. We're going to be talking about keeping learning fun. Teeth that are infecting are not fun, but you know what can be fun? Learning. Learning can be fun. So how do we (laughs) keep learning fun? So it's important to understand your child's learning style and preferences in your homeschool. Uh, We talk about this in episode four, which is our homeschool styles and philosophies episode. Some children enjoy hands-on activities while others enjoy quiet focused work. Others might need more visual cues or physical movement for concepts to stick. So take some time to understand what works best for your kids so that lessons remain interesting and engaging. This is going to help ensure that material is being fully absorbed rather than being memorized and then quickly forgotten. And you might want to think about your views on education. People often have the mindset of replicating public school and your homeschool, but you have to remember that children are really learning all the time. In our episode 18, we homeschooling lifestyle episode, we talked about Sir Ken Robinson, and he made a huge impact on the way that a lot of people view education. His powerful TED Talk is still one of the most viewed TED Talks ever. If you haven't seen that video, it discusses the importance of creativity and and challenges educators to radically rethink education. It's a fantastic video that every homeschooler or any educator really should watch. And I'll link it in the show notes. It's fantastic. It's great. 
Um, be sure that your child has a say in what they learn too. Everyone's more engaged and remembers better when they're interested in the content. And our goal here is always to create lifelong learners. Our kids know that we don't know everything. Uh, they might see us reading from the guide. And then when they ask a question, I don't know the answer to it. I'll say like, let's look it up together. So I think that's a beautiful and healthy way. And they're seeing an example of how to be a lifelong learner and always be curious. You don't always have to know the answer, but you do want to ignite that curiosity inside them. A lot of parents, when asked a question by their kids, might just say, hey, go look it up. Yeah, that happened to me. Yeah. And I know my mom's probably listening. And I love you, mom. But that's what I was told. And actually, a lot of the kids of the 80s era, yeah. oh, go look it up. There was no internet go back look then. It up. I know. So I really I think that that probably would have ignited more of a curiosity. And luckily, I kind of reclaimed that in adulthood. You didn't go to the shelf and look up the, um, <laughs> the did your parents have the, the encyclopedia the at the world book? <laughs> Like oh encyclopedia. Gosh. Go look it up. Oh, jeez. We were at Half Price Books the other day, and we saw a whole bunch. Cameron says, hey, let's look up the 2021. It didn't exist. Right, It right. didn't go up that high. I know. I see those for store. sale, like, a lot of times. I, I think my parents at one time had three sets that they had inherited. <laughs> they were like, do you guys want these? I was like, no, get rid of them. Yeah, nobody <laughs> wants those. Look Internet's it up online. Right yep. <laughs> Okay, so let's get to our first question, and which would be, my child hates writing, so how do I make it fun? Well, the first thing we need to find out before attempting to answer this question is, what do you mean when you say writing? Are you talking about the physical act of pencil to paper handwriting, or are you referring to actual foundational writing, like sentence structure, detailing thoughts, etc.? Because these are two very different things. Right, and also, how old is your child? We see a lot of people struggling with both handwriting and composition. And then they'll tell us that they're talking about a six-year-old boy. And it's really normal for a six-year-old, especially boys, to be resistant or struggle with the act of physical handwriting. And it's also not really age-appropriate to expect a lot of writing out of your six-year-old. Yeah, I personally don't do a ton of writing work outside of handwriting for under 10 yeah, 10 year olds. Yeah, uh, and this too. can be a really frustrating subject to force when often a little bit of time and maturity makes this a much easier endeavor. You also want to make sure that you rule out any physical limitation to writing. Uh, visual tracking and other learning disabilities can also be a factor. We talked about that in episode 21 in homeschooling a child with a learning disability. So you rule out any extenuating circumstance. Right. I did actually take my son to an occupational therapist when he was little because he complained about how much writing hurt his hands. And um, she gave us some exercises and a lot of different kinds of um, pencil holders and grips. Oh, I love those little grips. I know. I like we literally probably owned every single one that's out there. And we'll link to some fun ones in the show notes because they're a great little tool to have. Right. So let's start with handwriting. When you have a child that hates writing, it's important to think about the goal of a writing assignment. Is the goal of the writing assignment to see handwritten symbols like letters on a page? Then we're talking about the physical act of handwriting or penmanship. And there are so many ways to work on the small motor skills that are going to aid in handwriting. You can use tracing paper, you can form letters with clay or dough, you can write in sand or like with a finger and shaving cream or another medium. You can get some fancy paper. You can also experiment with different kinds of pens or pencils or markers. My son for a while insisted on a quill and ink. 
<laughs> like we found it at whatever. a museum store. I mean, what, whatever helps. Yeah, we like to use chalk outside. That that was oh, a yeah, lot of fun too. Great. Yeah, drawing is also a great thing to do. Some hesitant writers could draw all day long. Keep in mind that drawing and handwriting require some of the same motor skills. One program that we really liked was called Draw Right Now. It's a set of books that include drawing lessons with handwriting skills. They're super cute and they're themed. They're colorful books and they're great for young beginner writers and those who need to work on those fine motor skills. Yeah, for uh, teaching handwriting, we liked a program called Handwriting Without Tears. This program uses fun, engaging, and developmentally appropriate instructional methods to enable kids to master handwriting as an automatic and a comfortable skill. They teach about grip and letter recognition and formation, and there's several books in that series uh, that are kind of organized by grade level, and then it moves on to cursive. Right. And so that's the next thing I wanted to mention is that some homeschool methods do teach cursive first. And there is cursive without tears that we use. This is a Montessori technique and taught because the fluid movement involved in writing cursive letters, it's easier for young hands to master. I did this with my kids and it was a hit. My little guy felt like a secret detective because he knew a special handwriting code that often his friends didn't even know. And schools have supposedly edged away from teaching cursive at all. I don't, I feel conflicted about this. I think that when people actually are putting pen to paper, often it's a combination of cursive and block writing. So I feel like children need to know how to read it at least. Right. I mean, our founding documents for our country are written in cursive. That's uh, something people bring up often as the importance of knowing cursive. And we do teach cursive in our homeschool. Um, I joke that maybe it will become a marketable skill during a zombie apocalypse. <laughs> I like that. That's how I would encourage my kids. We, you can also try learning calligraphy or italics. One of my kids was super interested in that after learning about some other homeschoolers we knew that had their own business handwriting wedding invitations. And you can make a lot of money handwriting calligraphy. Oh, it's beautiful. So Our friend were... Paula was really into that, wasn't she, yeah. for a while? Yeah. yeah. Uh, Sometimes we still see people agonizing over handwriting with their high schoolers. And this is a pick your battle moment. Let's face it, when your high schooler says that they really don't need to write legibly because everything is typed, they're kind of right. They aren't going to do a lot of actual writing in life. My college kid, I don't think that they've handwritten anything in their Mm -hmm. classes. And this is one of the reasons it was important for me to teach typing because so they were really proficient with that. Right. And I mean, while there is definitely a want for clear, neat handwriting, especially as a reflection on the homeschool mom, I cringe a little bit when my kids write like messy thank you notes. I'm like, like, oh, God, everybody's gonna know that you're homeschooled. And that's why you (laughs) wrote it like that. Like, that's a reflection on me. It's not totally necessary. The The thing is, your high schooler does know how to write at this point. And if they want to write neater, they can teach themselves how to do that. My kids write teeny tiny. Microscopic. My brother does that. I'm like, you write just like your Uncle Jojo. Oh my goodness. They're like, yes, I do. And Brian. (laughs) And you know, if your kid wants to be better at cursive, there's a million resources that you can use to practice at any age. So don't waste a lot of your time agonizing over this with a high schooler. If they want to learn it, they're going to learn it. 
Yeah. Let them be embarrassed about their own signature. And don't you worry about those thank you notes. So now let's start with foundational writing. Writing is a complex process that requires the integration of multiple skills, many of which are executive functioning skills. Writing involves having to visualize your ideas in your mind so that you can manipulate your thoughts into structured sentences that actually make sense. You need to search your brain for the proper sounds that make up letters and words and ideas and then transpose those letters on paper by hand. Yeah, this is actually a lot. It makes sense that handing a kid a piece of paper and then saying, write a paragraph about X, this can be totally overwhelming. Right. Um, You can ease into this by starting with things like asking questions that don't allow a yes or no answer and getting into various dialogues that can inspire your writing. Also encourage narration. Have your child tell you a story or answer a question in their own words. We did this all the time. Narration is an important skill. One thing I did from a really early age when they were toddlers, like even two and three years old, they would tell me these elaborate stories. They were so creative, as most kids are at that Mm -hmm. age. I happened to type really fast, so I would sit down at the computer and have them tell me the story, and I would type it up for them. Then I printed them, and then we made these little books, and they just loved to cuddle on the couch while I read their story back to them over and over and over again. We talked about programs like Story Starters before. This is one of my favorite resources. It's a book with a series of story beginnings, and they have some illustrations, and then the student finishes the story. They're a lot of fun. They're they're kind of old-fashioned to you. My kids think the pictures are really hilarious. And I also, because we're homeschoolers, I'm the one grading it. I let them go a little bit crazy with, yeah. you know, if they want to include poop in their story, whatever, <laughs> like, go crazy. I'm just, I'm looking for the story. So whatever gets you uh, going. Writing prompts and journaling can also be great practice for this as well. Uh, we found some really great writing prompt books at Five Below in like the dollar pile. And they're fabulous to just have in a morning basket and just grab it and go. To begin our homeschool day, we would start with journaling. I'm like, just go into your corner for 15 minutes and journal. Yeah. Uh, Night Zookeeper is an online learning program that helps teach reading and writing skills. Kids are tasked with raising and caring for mythical animals in a zoo and have a variety of challenges and activities in the form of writing prompts to advance in the game. Yeah, I wish I'd kind of found that one earlier. So whether you're working on penmanship or crafting stories and paragraphs, it's important to remember that your relationship comes first. We're lucky that we're in this unique position, that we're with our kids every day, and we have the ability to influence them. The words we choose with our kids can make or break their spirits. Mm -hmm. So when we encourage our kids and we give them undivided attention, their confidence is naturally going to grow. So just a reminder that this is a weekly episode. We drop one every Thursday morning just for you. And if you have any additional ideas or comments, please come and comment on our Facebook page on the episode thread or send us an email at info at btdthomeschool.com. We'd really love to hear from you. So what are the best learning games? Well, when I'm out with my hiking group and I end up with all of the little kids up in front with me and I really want to jump back into the adult conversation that's happening in the back, I have a great little trick that I use. I simply ask, does anyone here play Minecraft? (laughs) And they all do and they all have a million things to say about it. So I let them start talking and then I fade into the background. Oh my gosh. (laughs) 
you know, my kids got involved with a group called Minecraft Homeschool years ago. And I believe it was like a mom who set up a server for her kids and then eventually opened it up to her whole co-op. And then she started making all these classes and they could have build assignments and other activities through the game. And it was quite brilliant. She had a whole host of teens that helped moderate and they were architects and they built just really awesome things. Uh, my son was uh, like an integral part of that group. Yeah, your son was time. a moderator and one that we were in. Yeah, he was awesome. Um, and she just built, this mom built these awesome history and geography classes around the game. And it eventually morphed into like a fully functioning curriculum platform with classes in all kinds of subjects, math, cooking, history, science. Um, it's now called Game Ed Academy, but we just absolutely loved using Minecraft in our homeschool like that. Yeah. If you have kids who are into coding or learning how to code, Minecraft can also help with that. If you have a Raspberry Pi, your family can learn how to use Python code to program interactions with the Minecraft world. And down here in the Dallas library, we actually went there with our Raspberry Pi. You didn't even have to bring one and they taught you how to program that. Did That's you know so that? cool. No, super- I don't really know what Raspberry Pi is. I have to show you ours. Yeah, like I looked it up as I was. You don't eat it. I, I've heard you talk about it a lot. I thought it was a program. I didn't realize it no, was like actually, actually a, a little computer. computer. Yeah. yeah, it's super cool. And my kids built a Lego case for it. Yeah, there's oh, that's like, awesome. There's plans online to do all that. If you don't have a Raspberry Pi, there's also all kinds of posts and instructions out there on how to learn Python with Minecraft. There's also books on that, like Learn to Program with Minecraft, Transform Your World with the Power of Python, all of that. They can. My kids started really young, like six. Yeah. But they were super STEMI. Right. No, there's all kinds of options. And, I, you know, coding is all the rage, too, for kids nowadays, which it's a little bit above my, well, it's a lot of bit above my skill level. I'm still trying to teach you how to use Excel. I know. I know. Let's not even talk about it. <laughs> Maybe I need a learning game. Is there an Excel learning game? Oh my game? gosh, Nicole, you There should be. Me. Somebody invent that. I would buy it. Uh, <laughs> but along with coding, like CodeSpark Academy is an app that teaches kids coding in a fun and interesting manner. There's also like so many out school classes that teach coding and other aspects of computer programming. The kids did a is Spark, the one that does like 3D printing. They, t- they all took a class together for our well, future for- city group, I think. I don't know about Spark, but my kids did 3D printing. They just used Tinkercad. Oh, that's what it was. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. They took an out-school yeah. class together, Well, I think. ours also did a, one at the library. They taught uh, 3D printing. They have a 3D printer yeah. there. A, so, a lot of them do. Oh it's really, really neat. Talk about creative and learning all together. And free resources. Right. Reading Eggs and Starfall are two computer-based programs that can help kids learn to read and increase phonics skills we really loved reading eggs. It really was a catalyst that helped my son shoot into a full-blown reader. Explode the Code is another phonics program. It comes in book form, and now it also has an online version. We only did the book forms. They're quirky and funny, and the kids really enjoyed those. I'm sure a lot of kids now like the online version, too. Oh, I'm sure. Too. Yeah, it just wasn't available when we were doing it. Bedtime Math is a program that sends parents a math challenge every day. It'll have a tale or a story and then three problems that kind of rise in difficulty and the stories and challenges are like a game and the idea is you include this into your bedtime routine as a way of building and reinforcing math skills. 
Right. Super and cute. we talked about this in our math episode, but just board games in general, classic games like Scrabble, Yahtzee, Life's Categories, Ticket to Ride, Apples to Apples. These are all great ways to incorporate learning while having a lot of fun as a whole family. That list that we put together in our math games episode, I'll link that in the show notes so you can check that out. But everything from little toddlers all the way up to yeah. the investment game, it's for upper high school. Yeah, I, we we love board games at our house. We really? have a whole closet full. Um, we also, my husband won't play board games with us because we subscribe to the, if you're not prepared to lose every friend and family member in a board <laughs> game, then you're not playing hard enough. It goes down at Nicole's house. It does. Oh, Scattergories. My husband's like, nope, not playing with any of you. <laughs> Cards also are are great learning games, you know, aside from just regular (laughs) poker skills. It's a life skill there. Uh, Professor Noggin series cards. We've got like the birds. Mm -hmm. We've got first peoples. We've got all kinds of different games from that series. Timeline. That's one of my favorites. Oh, I love that one. I know. That's a game that the parents used to play like at the board game store quite often. Yeah. And we pulled it out on New Year's Eve too. We've got like an inventions one and an American history. And I also found I had a TV and movies one in my closet that we didn't realize we had so those are great uh bananagrams i think we've talked on a previous episode about that was something that we kind of carried in our purse sometimes for a restaurant right um uno uh Catan. everybody loves Catan. yeah there's lots of apps like jeopardy app wordle crosswords the geography wordle are all great learning games that are they're just quick and simple to use i know we uh, like when everybody got into wordle and the geography one we all had like a whole ritual every morning all my kids <laughs> like jane from college would tune in be like have you played the wordle yet have you done the crossword yet (laughs) they're great and they're bonding experiences too right puzzles are also classic and fun we still have so many puzzles in our house of all types like very simple ones to you know thousand piece puzzles and i always like to have a puzzle table up at christmas time nobody can walk through a room without stopping and doing you know a little bit of the puzzle yeah i love that I also created a couple of fun gaming freebies that you can download and use in your homeschool. One is a download of 14 game templates, like board games, where you can have your kids create their own board game. My kids are always making up games and getting creative, and these templates are sure to excite your kids to make their own games. And you can also use them to create your own board game and incorporate some of the concepts that you're working on in your homeschool to help get away from those books but still keep on learning. We also have a free dice template that you can print on cardstock and you can make your own cube dice to go with your game. And then I also made a 24 page dice game pack. It's probably best for ages about three to 10 or 11. And it incorporates storytelling, math, writing, even exercises to get the blood moving and other dice games. Anytime that we start getting bored or want to take a break, things like this have always been a way to get my kids excited. And it just kept the learning going, but they didn't know that. So don't tell them. So make sure you check that out. So now's the time of year that we all kind of get bored with what we're doing. So how do you break up the monotony mid-semester? Right. Those mid-semester blues have totally normal. 
Well, I would say use your boredom to start planning for the next year. This is a great time to really review and figure out what worked, what didn't, and get hyped about the next school year. Nothing gets me through the remaining literature books that we need to tackle, like a cart full of the next year's books that we're waiting to order. <laughs> and I like to sell my used ones first and then use that money for the next year. Yeah, so, so that's great motivation. Like, we got to <laughs> finish these because I've got books to order. Right. <laughs> Number two, set small goals with an incentive at the end. Like if we can get through this, you know, this and this and this this week, then we can hit the skate park on Friday or get ice cream or, you know, something like that. Right. You can also take a field trip. We just did an awesome episode on field trips and created a field trip blog post with 100 ideas as well as some super awesome printables to go with it. I always like to do like a a review of your field trip for the kids after they always love that. And so you can download that for free on our website. So check that out. It's one of our favorite episodes to do. Yeah, Yeah. it was really, really a fun one. Number four, you can move your schoolwork outside. It's hard to struggle through work inside when it's gorgeous day out. So get outside, do it on your pool deck, do it in the backyard, let your kids play while you read and do your writing in the dirt, right? Remember that schools actually only complete about 75% of the curriculum. If you've never heard that, it is absolutely true. Uh, And if they get to 75%, figure out what you need to finish and what you really want to finish. Have a lot of reading to get through soon. Take an opportunity to watch a play or go to the movie version of that book. Why not? Yeah, exactly. You don't have to do everything that's listed you you're it's a homeschool you get to make the rules you also like take a break if you school all year round it's really easy to get swept into that traditional school end of year like wrapping up crazy when um actually you can take a break because you make your own schedule so take a break when you need it that actually happened the other day I took Cameron I picked him up it was a beautiful day I hope his theater teacher is not listening right now because (laughs) I can't do that with his college classes but it was a gorgeous day and we've been kind of going and going and burning the candle at both ends and I said hey you want to play hooky today and you want to know what he said what does hooky mean I know oh gosh we (laughs) talked about that the other day (laughs) kids are like where's that word even come from I'm like I don't I don't know. I don't know. But you know what? We played hooky. We went shopping. We went to a coffee shop. We went and sat in a patio and had some iced tea. It was so great. Oh, it was just, I loved it so much. We played cards. I love Um, it. So yeah, do that. Take a break. Do it. You're the master of your own time. You are. Another thing you can do is just change up what's not working. Don't feel like you need to finish something that has been totally excruciating just for the sake of finishing it. That's the beauty of homeschooling is that we get to decide our materials. We decide what a passing grade is. We decide when our kids are ready to progress. So do that. Yeah, exactly. You can also invite friends over to do a fun project. Um, Some subjects like art or geography, culture study, science experiments are a lot more fun with friends. So you can also consider maybe putting together a science fair or um, a show and tell time or a current events club or a homeroom. Uh, One of our friends did a homeroom last year for our kids. They would watch a news thing and then discuss. I've also seen people do like one of those living wax museum where the kids all pick a person to dress as and uh, or country culture presentations with a group like we just did that with our Girl Scouts group we all chose a country 
and did a little project on there. So it's a lot of a fun way to kind of mix things up a bit. Right. I remember when Courtney, she, you know, she's really a science-y person. And uh, one park day, she's like, hey, we're going to make ice cream. So we did the baggie and ice cream at the oh, park. Yeah. It was hot and it's just starting to get hot. So that's a great idea. It is. Science right there with your friends and eating ice cream. Except when your salt or salt gets into your ice cream, it's not good. Oh, Ooh, yeah. <laughs> I know, right? And along with that, just change your scenery altogether. You could go to a library study room, a coffee shop, college campus, hotel lobby. All of these are great alternative locations where you can get your work done without the distractions of home. So all yeah. those chores, bye-bye yeah. now. Yeah, we're going to go do it somewhere else. Uh, lastly, find a creative way to get an assignment done. Uh, if your kids need to do like a written summary of a book, uh, let them do it with puppets instead um, or put on a play with siblings or friends uh, let them make a lego stop motion video oh yeah uh, we or, love doing that yeah those are so much fun or design a movie poster uh, you can take chalk outside do your math in the driveway like there's a million different options for doing something creative to complete an assignment right you don't have to just do exactly like the book said yeah so I think that was a lot of great suggestions for everybody to kind of make fun in their school. Yeah, we I, we need that this time of year. Actually, it was a, a good refresher for me because I'm in that like doldrum stage right now. Are right. you? Right. I am. I like I said, we don't have a lot of flexibility with the college classes. Once you start the dual credit, you're kind of locked into their schedule. But luckily, this professor has been super easy and super friendly. It's just one class right now. So that's yeah. good. That's good. Next week, tune in for episode 29, Around the World in Your Homeschool. What are some of the fun ways to learn geography? How do you teach about different cultures in your homeschool? And what are our favorite geography homeschool resources? I just love geography. I know. This is going to be a really fun episode. I'm excited about All it. All right. We'll see you next week. See you next week. Cheers. Be sure to check us out on our website at btdthomeschool.com, as in been there, done that, btdthomeschool.com. You can join our mailing list and get news and updates on future podcasts. And be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, at the BTDT Been There, Done That Homeschool Podcast. <laughs>